Hello and welcome back to the Fundraising Bright Spots podcast. This is episode 127. My name is Rob Woods and this is the show for anyone who works in fundraising and who wants ideas and maybe a little dose of encouragement to help you enjoy your job and raise more money. This time, we're again looking at ways to make the biggest difference in the first few months of a fundraising leadership job. You may remember we already released one show on this with the brilliant Tess Nixon-Spiller, which was episode 124. Tess is hugely experienced as a leader of fundraising teams, and in particular, she has for years specialised in interim leadership positions. As such, she has become really adept at spotting the opportunities and preempting the pitfalls that often happen when you're new. I really enjoyed my original chat with Tess, but because there was plenty more to cover by the end of the half hour, we decided to record this follow-up interview. A couple of the important themes we explored are how to create a culture of self-sufficiency in your team and how to maintain your balance and your well-being when the pressure is on. Whether or not you're a leader and whether or not you're currently in the early stages of a job, I hope you'll find this a valuable listen. Hello again, Tess. Welcome back to the podcast. Thanks for having me, Rob. It's good to be here. Great. And so last time you were giving us various ideas about how to not only survive, but also thrive in an interim role. And thanks for agreeing to offer some more ideas on that subject. Yes. So I think the thing that felt important to me, and again, inspired by a podcast, Carla Miller, and I listened to this in about week one, and it was about one of my fears was... I know my diary looks all right now, but it's going to be no time before it's stacked up with meetings. You know, this isn't my first radio. I know I know how my diary is going to look. And I've I've only got three days a week in this role. There's lots to do. And it was great timing because her podcast talked about how you create this culture of self-sufficiency. And I really loved it because it, it appeals to me as a coach anyway. And basically, the problem is that if you're the director, People come to you and ask their questions and need you to unblock stuff and you spend your whole day serving other people and then it gets to five o'clock and you turn your attention to your work and inverted commas. And obviously you don't want to be a director or a head or a leader who's unavailable to your team and isn't going to help them out. How do you manage that kind of time management so that you have good quality time to do the work that you're there to do, the work that only you can do? And the answer, and this has really worked for me at Camp Hill, is several things, actually. It's about connecting your team to their peers. Individual giving is a big part of my team. It's not my background. That's inevitable. If you become a director, you're you're going to be specialist in a few things, but not everything. So we, we connected our IG manager into a network. So she had a peer group of people that she could ask. Like I said earlier, there's loads of podcasts. I do genuinely send around your podcast very often to my team. There's loads of webinars. There's loads of free stuff. We're so lucky in our sector. There's loads of networking groups you can ask on LinkedIn and people give you answers. So you're creating this self-sufficiency where, yes, you can come and ask me a technical question about IG, but I'll probably give you a bit of a rubbish answer. Much better to go and ask IG managers in other organizations so really fostering that who's your peer group how do you connect with people who do your job in other organization that's important let's give time to it what are you listening to here's a podcast I've heard there's a bit that I think is really relevant to you and then the other thing is about how you use coaching as a tool to create self 
self-sufficiency. So how it goes is a, a member of your team comes to you with a question or a problem. And instead of doing the quick thing, which is say, this is what you should do, or here's my advice. Instead, you say, what makes this difficult? Who else have you asked? What are your thoughts? Who could help you solve this? What makes this really important today? You know, just good open questions. And maybe it's a bit annoying for your team initially because they just want you to tell them the answer. And there's definitely a time and place for just, you know, directing. But eventually you create this culture where people know they've got to do a bit of thinking for themselves first before they come to you. They get used to going, actually, I'm going to phone somebody else in the team first. I'm going to reach out to my network. And you, you'll still get questions. Of course you will. And that's right. But you're creating this sense of actually who is the best person to go to with this challenge and what thinking can you do for yourself first and it's really helped me it has helped me to manage my diary to foster this kind of peer group and that we've got more resources in our fingertips than just us in our team Mm. I really love this one I'm reminded of uh, a brilliant coach and trainer who helped me called Penny Ferguson when I went on the course with her one of the things she asked us well what we thought good leadership was and you know, mm-hmm. there's 101 quotes about what good leadership was. But the answer she gave for her beliefs about great leadership was different to what I'd ever come across before. I mean, I think it might seem really obvious to you because it speaks to what you've just been saying. But for Penny, a great leader is someone who creates great leaders around them. Mm, That's it. Yeah. it I'm, I'm leading well if I'm causing everyone else around me to be the best they can be, whether or not they happen to be the leader of a team. Yeah. And what I've discovered is in the busyness of a day and how tempting it is and important the Mm. issue is to get the right decision quickly, Mm. just how hard actually what you just said can be in Mm. practice for Mm -hmm. most of us. Yeah. The other thing I love about it is there's some other themes we talk about today. You know, it could be a month or two before someone gets a chance to practice it. The great thing about this one is there's every chance that our listeners today, whether it's when they get home or whether it's when they get to work, probably in the next 24 hours, you will have a chance to practice this thing, which Tess yes. said is really quite important. And you'll, you may or may not have your awareness heightened to whether yeah. you go the easier seeming short-term route of give the answer or offer your opinion or the not default mode for most of us, which is to pause and mm-hmm. send the other person the signal that you believe they are more capable of solving this thing than they may currently be aware of? Yes, I love that. Because often my team absolutely know what they should do. And maybe they just want a sounding board. And it, it is a bit of a muscle that I think you have to grow. Because, yeah, if you've got a choppy day, it's just quick to just give the answer and move on to the next thing. So it's going to take you more time in the moment, but you're investing in that person and their capability to think for themselves. And I think what you do next is also really important. So something that I really try and do, and I'm sure I don't get it right all the time, is say, I trust you to make a call on this. I think you know what to do best here, or I'll back you, whatever you decide. And that's really inspired by a director that I worked for early in my career 
who used to say, if somebody could do something half as well as I can do it, they can do it because there's some stuff only I can do. And I think there's something about letting go when you're director, because there's a whole level of stuff that you can no longer be involved in because your attention is needed elsewhere. So it's giving that empowerment, saying, I trust you. You you have great thinking about your area. I'll back you, whatever you decide. And being prepared that the team might fail, they might get it wrong, might be the wrong call. But you're investing in this culture of learning where failure is part of the road to success. Yes, and one thing a leader is doing all the while is making judgments as to whether to be relatively more directive with any given issue or relationship and when to be much further down this coaching end of the spectrum. So, you know, we need to be savvy about it rather than leave someone who's relatively inexperienced having to make a decision that actually Mm. it would be unfair to make on them. But assuming that, I agree. What a powerful signal it sends to the other person of just how much you respect their experience and ability, yes. possibly in a way that's greater than they currently feel. Mm. And possibly mm. sometimes that is different to what a former manager yeah. thought about them. Yeah. And the moment at which you, you sincerely send that signal, yes, the difference it can make to someone's own beliefs about their ability it's massive isn't it it's so much more valuable than the short term often than the short term we were looking at yeah you do you know you're so right Rob about the nuance there what the line that you've got to tread is you don't want to leave your team hanging you don't want to be unavailable to your team on things that they're raising because they think they're important so the shorthand in my head is as director I'm here to manage risk on behalf of the organisers. So how risky is this? Well, actually, if we're mailing 25,000 people and we get it wrong, there's there's risk there. That's a lot of people to get it wrong with. So I do want to be across stuff like that. If it's a big chunk of our income, if it's one of our, you know, Stephen Covey, big rocks, then I'm going to want to be across that. So you've got to kind of calibrate that in your mind. What stuff do I want to see? Do I care about? Do I want to be across the detail on? And what stuff can I let go? One of my favourite mantras in my first few months was progress over perfection. Yeah, we had a lot of vacancies. We had a lot going on. We're not going to get it perfectly right. We can't. So let's make progress. You know, that won't be the right mantra for every phase, for every leader. But at that time, it was like, yeah, permission to fail, permission to not get it perfect. Let's make progress here. Yeah. And again, this way of leading goes hand in hand with what I was hearing from you and the mindset that I heard from Liz Tate of being really curious, especially early on, and trying to understand who's in the team and their different levels of experience and levels of confidence and so on. Because the more you do that, it enables you then to make informed choices about for instance, that level of risk and yeah. when someone because of a particular level of experience or or skill set may need more or less of your involvement in a decision. Yes, you kind of de-risk, don't you, by by creating that learning culture. You know, if my member of staff says we've got to make a decision on this and I've listened to Rob's podcast on Thankathons and I've chatted with Lucy Gower's network, you know, you start to de-risk it because you're just 
sense checking your decisions with other organizations with best practice. So there's kind of a double benefit there. You're becoming more capable as an individual, but you're also bringing all that external expert advice into your organization as well. Yeah, I guess the other angle on this, and it especially applies for someone who does an interim role, is that if you leave the organization after six or seven months, I'm sure it'll be in a better place because of what you're doing in the short and medium term. But your real goal is that a year later, the organization still be doing well because of things you set in place. And the things you've been saying in this section of this interview, I think are really fundamental to leaving them more likely Mm. to succeed when you are not there. I agree. Or even just when you're on holiday, that that things move forward, that you are not the linchpin in the in the day-to-day running of the place. Yeah, I completely agree. Hi, it's Rob. And I wanted to jump in quickly to let you know that if you're the manager of a team or if you belong to a fundraising team, at the time of publishing this episode, we're still accepting team memberships to our learning and inspiration site, the Bright Spot Members Club. To give you a quick sense of the impact that ongoing access to these resources can have, here's what one fundraising manager shared about how the club has helped his team's results. Hi, my name is Dan McNally and I've been a Bright Spots Members Club for over a year now. And what I absolutely love about the club is the practical ability to translate Rob's amazing sessions out into real life field fundraising results. When I was at the British Heart Foundation, we created a workshop based on Rob's corporate fundraising bundles. And within six months, every single person who had gone on this workshop that we developed had managed to secure one of their dream 10 corporate organizations. To find out more about all the live workshops and training bundles that you get access to through the club, go to brightspotmembersclub.co.uk forward slash join. Or to find out about the valuable discounts available for teams, send me a message at events at brightspotfundraising.co.uk. For now, let's get back to my conversation with Tess. Goodness, there's so many things I'd love to pick your brain about, Tess, but uh, I'm aware time is against us. I think when you and I were having an exploratory chat about this topic, you mentioned there was one last really important concept that, that you've learned to value. Yeah, I wanted to finish on thinking about well-being. So by virtue of the fact that you're in a big leadership role, it will be challenging at times. And you know, our brains are programmed to survive, right? We're we're on the hunt for danger. That's why as a human race, we've evolved so brilliantly. And I think that's amplified when you're new because you often don't really know how you're doing when you're new in an organization. So I think it's really important to look after yourself in that in that very new period. I mean, at all times, but particularly when you're new. And I read a really helpful article on this, which is about system one and system two thinking. So system one thinking is about the doing. It's about processing emails, going to meetings, It's transactional, churning through work, delivery, management tasks. System two is more strategic. It's a helicopter view. It's about imagination and creativity and possibility and growth mindset and problem solving and all those good things. And I think when you're stressed and busy and overwhelmed, it can be very easy to lock into system one. But actually, the job of a leader is 
you know, weight, it's a system too. At the moment, I'm writing a strategy, which is all system two stuff. It's all thinking differently. I think it's really valuable to think about how you look after yourself as a new fundraising leader and almost to put that in place structurally rather than hope that it happens each week. So some of the things that work for me, so I've worked part-time for nearly 10 years now. So I have Friday off in inverted commas. I don't see it as a day off, Rob. I take my kids to and from school. I I do go for a run. I live by the sea, so I do tend to go for a run. And then I pretty much just fold laundry and tidy my house and try and get things straight for the weekend. But what I've noticed happening is on that day, I start and my head is full, completely full from the week. And I feel my brain during that day switch to system two. I'm decompressing. I'm coming down from the week. Things that felt problematic, difficult, stressful, start to feel okay, you know, doable, actually kind of zoom out a bit. So whatever that looks like for you, I think there's something in decompression time so that you can function in the way that you need to function as a leader. So maybe that's that you finish at three on a Friday. Maybe that it's you always go to yoga. Maybe it's that you you don't work in the evening. So whatever happens, your laptop off at six. You know, whatever that looks like within the parameters of your life, what's possible, something that enables you to decompress. The other things that I found helpful was really thinking about my support team. So as you can tell, I really believe in coaching. So I hired a coach pretty early on. You know, this sector is brilliant. So if a coach isn't possible in terms of budget, you know, who could be your mentor? Who have you worked with before that you could offer some peer mentoring to just a swap? Who are your phoner friends? So again, I mentioned that IG is a big rock for us and it's not my area of specialism. So I had my IG phoner friends where I'd say, I think this is the right thing to do, but what do you think? Guide me through this. And it, you know, a, a, a WhatsApp voice notes can just set you off on the right path and it's free and it's quick. I also found it really helpful. I mentioned this earlier to develop some mantras. I, I love a mantra. So for a long time, my mantra that's been useful when I'm running kind of training days, sort of high impact days where there's a lot at stake. You, know, you maybe don't sleep very well the night before. My mantra has often been whatever energy I have today is enough because I am enough. Or I mentioned earlier, my mantra was progress over perfection. Before Christmas, we had loads of vacancies, loads to do, progress over perfection. And another one is I can do anything, but not everything. And for me, the mantras, they're just like a friend in your ear. They're countering your brain going, where's the danger? Where's the threat? Are you doing a good enough job? Do you belong here? You know, doing all that, keeping you safe by saying, you've got this, you belong here. Whatever that kind phrase is, take it or leave it, whether a mantra is going to be right for you. But I find it really helpful in a busy role, being new, lots to do, lots to get your head around, to just simplify that into a kind, a kind thought, a kind pep talk for yourself. Yeah, I really love this theme because I think different people have different uh, views on this sort of thing. But I personally have used this for 20 years. These yeah. help me be more likely to get through a day well and to, to keep my energy up and to be more likely to be 
optimistic and resourceful for more of mm-hmm. the day than sometimes yes. might happen otherwise. So they've been massively valuable to me. I was interested about two months ago to interview someone called Grace Cannings, and she came on our Major Gifts Mastery Programme. And across the six months, she was writing down in her notebook various little catchphrases that I yeah. was saying, a couple that she was getting from her coach, stories, stories, stories. Yes. And, or focus on coffees or, quote, test drives rather than yeah. chasing the money. These various yeah. things. And she found them so helpful, but she was also savvy enough to, the, to know that in a busy organisation and across a tiring day, some of these things might not be the, mm. the default way our tired brain could act. Yeah. So what she did was she shared the ones she liked with her teammates and they didn't overdo it. They didn't go on on a two day away day, but just like in 10, 20 minutes, they came up with their top 10, what she called philanthropy principles. Lovely. A photo of her whiteboard in the office of philanthropy principles. And I think number three is if it's not on Donify, which I think is their database, then it didn't happen. <laughs> Another one is fundamental to my approach, and I know you're a fan of this ethos as well, this relationship ethos. Her number one one was, call your donors. Yes. Their day or yours. Exclamation. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And she shares on, I can't remember which episode, but a couple of months ago, you know, listeners can go back and find it. She shares times when she and colleagues ended up being their best self doing more of the the difficult thing or the less automatic thing like picking up the phone than she thinks they would have done just because her mantra she decided on it she didn't have to be chatting it to herself like a zen mantra but just knowing she decided on it and to get to her desk she walked past the whiteboard Mm -hmm. at a subconscious level even you know as small an effect as that might sound to our listeners Grace fed back that it has helped her team do more of these kinds of things. And then next, I personally, sometimes, you know, when I'm doing exercise or going for a little run, or certainly before I do a big talk, I do repeat certain phrases to myself Mm -hmm. to, apart from anything else, to drown out the little voice that might otherwise creep into my head that might make me feel smaller or fearful. So there's a couple of angles I've discovered as to how knowing what you stand for, what your principles are, and especially if at some level it has a, a catchiness to it, even if someone else would consider it to be slightly cheesy, mm-hmm. I, I found there's a value to that. Do you know, there's such a value. I coached a fundraiser about a month ago and she was feeling imposter syndrome because she'd stepped into a role. Her predecessor was really great and she was finding it really hard and all, all this stuff came out. She talked and talked and talked. And then she just said, because I do belong here. And she looked up the, at the screen. And she said, I belong here. And I got goosebumps. And she burst into tears. And she was like, that's it. I belong here. And that's three words. And that transformed her mindset. So for me, there's something really powerful in, you know, what's the mantra for this moment what will kind of see me through what's going to be my three words to live by for this particular phase and I think it does change we're not in progress over perfection but that was a helpful enabling thought at that time it lends me to think if if we've got time just of one final thing that has also been helpful to me which is about habits and rituals 
So a couple of things that I was worried about. So I have a, a remote team other than some of the team are up in North Yorkshire, which is about nine hours from where I live in Devon. So I was thinking, how am I going to make sure that I'm available to the team, that I'm visible, that they see me? So one of the habits that I created is I always send a message. First thing, my first working day of the week, always send a message. And it means I can just sort of take that off my worry list. It's basic. It's a kind of bare minimum, but it always happens every week. Here I am. This is when I'm working. This is what I'm doing. This is what I did at the weekend. What are you up to? We always have that touch point. And the second was about remembering why we're here. So Camp Hill Village Trust is totally amazing. It's a life-changing charity. The people that we serve are extraordinary. And you can get lost on our YouTube channel watching the films. And I wanted us to never forget that, like why we're here and what it's about. And so, again, a little ritual that we have is we always show a film about our work at the, at the start of our team meeting. And it just sets the tone. It just reminds us that in all our business planning and strategy and meetings and emails and, you know, budgets and all of that stuff that's important, this is why we're here. This is why we do our job. So an adult with a learning disability can have their own front door, can explore their passion for music by having access to a music studio, can have friendships, can find a girlfriend, can have a safe place to live. And I, I found, I think that's something that I will take forward from this particular interim into the future. Like, what are the habits and rituals that will put me in good stead that are authentic to who I am and what I think is important and that I can just make happen each week, each month? So I know I'm at least, at least doing that. Yes, I, I really love that, Tess, about the importance of habits. So... Tess, the time has flown. I wish we could talk longer because I'm learning so much. But nevertheless, I hope our listeners are going to get lots and lots of ideas and encouragement from what you've shared. I look forward to catching up with you again soon. I wish you all the best as you continue at Camp Hill. But for now, Tess, thank you ever so much. Bye-bye. Thanks, Rob. Bye. Well, I hope you enjoyed these ideas. You can find a full transcript of the episode in the podcast section of our website, which is brightspotfundraising.co.uk. If you don't yet follow the podcast, please hit that button now so that you don't miss out on any of the episodes we've got coming up. And this will immediately get you access to lots more episodes from the back catalogue, including episode 124, which was my original interview with Tess. Now, if you'd like deeper, ongoing help with your fundraising, check out our training and inspiration club, the Bright Spot Members Club. There are now more than 350 fundraisers in the club who get 24-7 access to a whole library of my best training films, as well as live sessions every week. To find out more, go to brightspotmembersclub.co.uk forward slash join. Or if you're a manager and you'd like to find out about team discounts for the club, do send me a message via the Bright Spot fundraising website. I'd like to ask you a favour which is if you enjoyed today's episode and you think it would help other people, then please do take a moment and share it on with your team or on social media. Thank you very much for your help. Tess and I would love to know what you think. You can get in touch or tag Tess or I on LinkedIn. And on Twitter, I am at Woods underscore Rob. Thanks for listening. Best of luck with your fundraising and your leadership. And I look forward to sharing a new Fundraising Bright Spots episode with you very soon.